Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Steve Ben. Steve Ben. On the blend. On the blend. Welcome back to the latest edition of The Blend. My name is Steve Benz, broadcasting live, yes indeed, downtown Chicago. Today's guest, someone that we were all in love with in the 80s. I admit it, right there I am. It is author, actress, artistic director, Angelino. She's got so many lists up on her Twitter page. It is Michelle Green. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You were the girl of all of our dreams. Well... I'm very happy to know that because I just always felt like I was like the schlub sort of, you know, I was like that mousy woman that I thought everybody else looked great and I always looked really sort of square. So I'm happy to hear that I was the girl of anybody's dreams when I was Abby Perkins. I think it was because everybody, we just wanted to fix your hair. Oh, no kidding. I wanted to fix my hair. It was horrible. I, I remember sitting back there and just going, could they just get a comb for her just once? They wanted, you know, it was this weird thing. They, they, it was eighty. It was the eighties, of course, where hair was big, but it was like, you know, they couldn't make. And I have good hair, but they just couldn't get past trying to make it into like a set, you know, like a big style with teasing it and stuff, and it was horrible. <laughs> and then you came back, you know, although we're talking about Ellie Law, and then you come back season two and three, and you got this giant. Your hair gets bigger with every season. What was going on? My hair, beca- my hair became huge, and and they were sort of. There was one producer who was sort of obsessed with my hair, so they would. Um, I just remember I would sit in that chair forever, and they'd put these um, these things they used to use in the eighties to set your hair. They were called benders, and they were these. Oh my god. Puffy, puffy foam things that you'd heat up like hot rollers, but they were they looked like. Um, I don't know, they look like hot dogs or something. And you'd use them and they'd roll them in your hair and they'd set my hair with this head full of those benders. And then when they take them out, you know, my head was the size of like an airplane hanger. It was horrible. <laughs> you fit what we used to call lollipops back then. Lollipops? Lollipops. Giant hair, little bobbies. Oh, I didn't know that you could. I didn't, I've never heard that term, yeah. giant hair, little body. Right, we yeah. called you lollipops. And when I was in L.A., a couple of years after um, you you appeared on there, uh, I showed up and people were going, what the hell's a lollipop? I'm going, have you, none of you been east of the Mississippi? That's what we called all of you. I never have heard that term. I, you know, like I said, like it says, I'm an Angelino. You know, what can I say? I've never heard of lollipops, but that makes perfect sense. Well, Big, giant hair, little body. Right, so... When you're walking down the street, you could just drop it right there, Michelle, with one L. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> See, that's that's all we do on this show. We just have some fun. Well, that's great. 
Now, is it fun being an actress? It is fun being an actress. It is. It's a lot of fun being an actress. Um, it's, it's a great job. What can I say? You, know, you get to pretend to be other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you travel a lot. When you're working a lot, you're you know, making a lot of money and right. you're having fun and you're always getting on a plane and going here and going there. And, and, it's, and the work itself is really interesting and sometimes really difficult, sometimes frustrating, sometimes like magic, you know. Um, you meet a lot of interest. They're all people in the arts. They're all artists one way or another. And so you're always around sort of crazy people, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like radio guys, we're nuts. Yeah. I mean, you're just around sort of, you know, people who are, you have to be wired up a certain way yep. to go into the entertainment business in any area. You really do. You have to be a person who, you know, doesn't work in the fire marshal's office and couldn't do that. You know, so it's uh, but no, it's, a, it's fun. It's a great, great job. I I love being an actress. Uh, the fire marshal. Although my head is too large for a fireman's helmet, I am just saying <laughs> that would not look I don't good. Know that the marshals actually wear helmets. I think they just wear a uniform. And then of course you, you know, with your big hair back then, because bendies. That's hilarious because I remember those. It was bendies and Aquanet for the eighties. Oh, yeah, a lot of that big spray. And then, you know, they started to get into, like, the really nice high-end spray. You know, when when we were doing L.A. Law, they had, they, the old-school hairdressers still used Aquanet. Mm-hmm. But there were some that, you know, were starting to get into, like, the, you know, like, high-end hair products, yeah. right? Like, everything. There's always, like, 8 million kinds of hairspray. There was one I used to use that came in a big purple canister. I can't remember the name of it now. It had some crazy name, and it was that was my hairspray of choice when I had that giant L.A. Law hair. Oh, my God, the days, the pencil skirts, all those, and then the 90s hit. What happened to all of us? Pencil skirts, the pencil skirt, the little Eisenhower jacket with the big hair. Yeah. That was my look on L.A. Law. Right, and I'm sure you remember Shodama pads. Did you call them that, at least? No! What is it? Oh. from another country. What is that? Oh, my God. Michelle, with that, see, you're lacking that other L. That is the problem right here, okay? Lollipops and what, what did you just call something, Pam? Shoulder pads. Oh, so I thought you said Pam. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shoulder pads. Look, I'm not speaking Latino to you, girl, okay? I thought you said some other totally different thing. <laughs> shoulder pads, yeah. Shoulder pads must be hell, man. They yeah. were. What a weird... What a what a weird thing. I mean, shoulder pads in the 1940s like looked great. In the 80s, it was horrible. <laughs> it just looked like, just, oh god. Just wait. It's going to come back. I guarantee it. Oh, well, you know, it all comes back, right? It all comes back at some point. I probably I cleaned out. You know, I've always been one of those people who keeps like weird clothes that I've had for years because I, you know, I go, hey, this is going to come back. But I did a giant sweep of my closet last year and I, I don't know how much stuff I gave away so I think I gave away everything except I do have a, a, a shirt that I wore in a, in a play in high school that I still you wear <laughs> so you're a secret hoarder is that what you're saying I, I know oh, I'm not a hoarder I'm not a hoarder but you know I you know I sometimes I don't want to get rid of like clothes that suddenly becomes like vintage clothes uh-huh. you go oh I've had this since I was 20 um, but of course there's also like I don't always fit into everything that I wore when I was 20 but, right. When we throw the word vintage around my kids, that means old. Yeah, old, old, old. Okay. It's like, Dad, your mullet was not vintage. It's oh, just disgusting. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that's a rough one. And I will say this again. I was French. It was a moulet, not a mullet. 
It was a moulet. Yeah, it was a moulet. That's what I used to say at my auditions. I did not have talent like you whatsoever. I was busy telling jokes the entire time. So Because you were classically trained, and I was not. Yes. Was yes, I was, and I am, and you know. But I'll tell you now that I'm now that I'm a grown woman and I'm older, I look forward because I feel like I could play all those Shakespearean roles <laughs> that I could never play that I wanted to play when I was young. I always wanted to play like Queen Margaret and the sort of evil, villainous, you know, fifty-something-year-old women. <laughs> but I was really young so I never played them so now I'm thinking maybe I can finally play those characters that's right you could be on a reboot of Dynasty or something oh yeah I would love that yeah you could be because you still look so sweet so pretty all that guys would just like gravitate to you and then you just stab them right in the back see I really enjoy those I really really love those um, evil villain characters you know I really do. Did villains. you get a chance to play one? Have you played a really evil character yet? I've played a few evil ones. I've done a few guest shots. I, was a, I wasn't an evil character on the unit, but I was really like a real hard-ass kind of... Um, I like that role because I was this woman who was really trying to undermine the unity of that that special op group, you know, and that weird life they had with the military wives. and the, That's on that right. I forgot that you were on the unit. That was a great series. I liked my character because she was like, she would come in and she was all, you know, she was so calm and nice, but she was really trying to undermine and get those guys out of there and get them to be private contractors. Um, and I played a couple of killers, like on, you know, various CSIs right, and right. stuff, you know. I'm, I'm sensing an SVU where you're just, oh, just disgustingly evil. I would love that. I would love that. I could I could do that really well, actually. <laughs> and with that, in case you need to cast a radio guy, I'm available. People think I'm nicer than I am. <laughs> they do. I would think, even when we reached out to you, I thought, she is probably going to be the sweetest person ever. And, of course, my assistants are going, you can't, you can't talk to her. You're an ass. I'm like, well, great, great. <laughs> no, I'm a... I, I'm, I'm nice. I'm a very nice person. But, you know, then I have moments where if you push me too hard, I'm not so nice. See, that's where that little Latina. I knew you had to be Latina because you had the one L. I'm like, Shh, Latinas do not put two L's in there because they say it another way. And I knew you were secretly in there. Uh, well, then you're the only person who knew that I was secretly Latina. I was never trying to be secretly Latina. But nobody, you know, when you have blue eyes or yeah. green eyes and... You have fair skin, and you don't look like a stereotypical right. Latina. People never believe you really are. Right. They're going, ah, oh, she's Irish. Yeah, I am. Right? I'm Irish, and my mother's side is Mexican and Central American. See? There you go. See, when I was out in Los Angeles, uh, the little, whatever, there were, uh, people would speak Spanish to me, and I would think, um... I am not Jimmy Smith. I'm 6'3", and no Mexican is 6'3", so don't be speaking Spanish to me. So <laughs> You must just have that, you know, dark hair and Latino good looks or something, right? Uh, yeah, sure, right. There's a reason why I'm on radio, girl. Yeah, Latinos are good-looking people, I'll tell you. They are. Well, but I'm not, so thank you for... so. For, <laughs> thanks for hurting my feelings. I appreciate that. My son, my son is... Nine. No, just turned 10. Mm -hmm. And my son is full-blooded indigenous Indian. I adopted him from oh. Guatemala. And I swear, when my son was two and a half, 
he had these five-year-old girls in his preschool who were like in kindergarten and I would pick him up and they would stand at the gate and yell, Jose, we love you. <laughs> You're in kindergarten. Uh, yeah. That's not what my mom heard when I was in kindergarten. They heard, come get your son, Marilyn, now. So. Oh, no, I, I hear I, I hear all the girls. And, yeah. You know, please, when he's older, it's going to be rough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does he speak his native language as well? Uh, he's, you know, he doesn't speak Spanish any longer because I'm a lazy cow. <laughs> I speak fluent Spanish, but um, when I first adopted him, my intention was, of course, that he was going to speak Spanish at home with me. And my mother speaks Spanish, and my mother lived with us for a few years. Right. Um, but quite honestly... I, if I were living in Latin America, perhaps I would have spoken Spanish all the time. But I think in English, of course, unless I, you know, go to Mexico or Nicaragua and I'm there for a month. Um, I, but I think in English. And I was a single parent. I adopted my son as a mm-hmm. single parent, and mm-hmm. I never had like a baby playpen stage. He came home right before his second birthday, wow. and he was like this little Tasmanian devil who was really mobile and <laughs> would never stop. And I, I suddenly realized oh, my God, this is so taxing. I just, I'm thinking in English and I'm speaking in English because I can't make that leap. So he, um, I think that if he, I keep saying we're going to go, we were going to go this last summer, but I was really busy when I was the artistic director of this venue, which Mm -hmm. I'm not any longer, which Mm -hmm. is great. Um, I didn't have, I didn't have that much time. So next summer I'm going to take him, I think we'll probably go to Nicaragua for like a month. Wow. And he'll come back from that month speaking Spanish because it's in there in his brain. I know it is. You know. Me, I'm still having problems with English, so I'll just stick to, you know, <laughs> reading and trying to write and things like that. See, the beauty of what it is that I do is I can ad lib for hours. That's good. Because I have so much crap between my ears. I have so many stories. I have one L.A. story, L.A. Uh, LA law story. When Corbin Burnson was on the show a couple of years ago, great guy. And one question I had asked him, and I'll tell that story later, and I even posed to you, the amount of talent on that show, how did you possibly get through that and the explosion of of popularity? And could you imagine if Twitter and Facebook were around oh my God. when that happened? Twitter, if the internet had been happening and Twitter and Facebook, it would have been like, I don't know what it would have been like. And I'm sort of... Um, I'm sort of glad that it wasn't because I don't know, you know, to be on a show that was that popular, mm-hmm. like overnight, yep. you know, it, none, none of us expected that it would be that popular that quickly because mm-hmm. we thought, you know, it was a different type of lawyer show. Um, and I had done Bay City Blues with Steve Bochco a few years <laughs> before, and that was a show that everybody had all these great hopes for and everybody kept talking about how it was going to be this big hit. And it just died, you know, it died quickly. It didn't find an audience. They uh, kind of panicked. They pulled it off. And, you know, it was suddenly it was done. And we were all, it was me, Ken Owen, Perry Lang, Michael Norrie, yeah. a whole bunch of people. Dennis France was on that. Yeah. Um, and suddenly we were like, oh, it's done. And so with LA Law, a lot of us really thought, oh, you know, it's going to take a little while. I hope the network sticks with the show. And, it, you know, it aired the, the first, you know, the pilot episode aired. And suddenly it was like this buster hit. And it was, you know, it was huge, but it, it, it sort of took everybody by surprise. 
Are you surprised that it's not all over reruns right now? Actually, that surprised me. Yeah, I'm like, why is it not? <laughs> is it because it's two eighties? I don't know what it is. I think honestly, I think it has something to do. I think a lot of the syndication issues with that show have something to do with the way they structured the deal with Fox. Oh, oh. I think there's there's some issue with that that made it um, because even way before this. Uh, it would, it's, you know, given how popular that show was, it would have been running all the time, right. you know? Because we don't need to see more episodes of Andy Griffith. Oh, come on. I watch Andy Griffith every night with my son. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no more Barney Fife. You know, the Simpsons Well, well now, you know, we've gotten to the colorized ones where Barney left the show. Yeah. And it's just not the same. So... That's you know, but my son and I now, you know, I mean, we're, it's, I, you know, I'm so old school that way. I'm, I'm like, oh, look, I remember this episode. So now my son, he's gotten into this thing. And when we're getting ready to have dinner, he says, mom, can I turn on Andy? Oh my God. That is hilarious. And we watch Andy and then we, and some, there's some moments, there's some episodes with, with Don Knotts that are so flipping funny yeah. Yeah. that we just, we like fall out of our chairs and we, we rewind it. It's on, you know, it's on Netflix, and we go back. There's that one where Barney joins the choir and he can't sing, and then they put somebody singing like behind a curtain, right? And he doesn't know that it's not him. Oh man, I mean, we are falling out of our chairs with that. So, Why aren't there comedy writers like that anymore? You're in the industry. What happened? Yeah. Uh, it's you know the style of comedy changed. Um, we. You look at like a show like Friends, right? Now, Friends was very, very funny. It had a lot of, um, there were some really funny, funny things in that show. But it's a different style of comedy. You know what I mean? Um, it's very much, you know, there's a little bit more of this sort of absurdness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You think of all those times with um, David Schwimmer when he'd get that sort of puzzled look on his face because something just absurd happened or someone said some really crazy thing. It's a, just a different style of comedy, but I think, honestly, that that classic style of comedy holds up so much better. You know, you can watch I Love Lucy, and it's as funny today as it was the day they shot it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Now, you, being a writer and doing anything, uh, writing just a, you've got books, you've got yeah. scripts, I'm sure, out there. So how do you write for this new audience versus the audience of a decade ago? Um, like, how would you advise someone? You know, a student comes in and goes, uh, Professor Green, how do I write for my eight-second audience, attention span audience, versus someone that actually could watch L.A. Law and Annie Griffith and Hogan's Heroes, which right, I love. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I think, honestly, there. if you look at if you look at new like movies now, television now, so many things now, right out of the gate, there has to be something. Yeah. You know what I mean? There yeah. has to be some big thing that happens that hooks you because the, the, the slow progression, it's like if you watch you know foreign films or older movies sometimes, like I enjoy those movies because I have seen them before, but other people, younger people I know who are teenagers think they're really slow and nothing's happening. So I do think, I do think there is, on one hand, I always feel like you just, storytelling doesn't really change. Storytelling is, good storytelling is, is the same. Mm -hmm. The arc of it is always the same, but there are very real, real changes happening with the way the internet has changed, the way our brains work and the way we expect things and we, we want information. 
And I do think now that you really do have to, either you make a conscious choice, either you can do a, a really old school sort of way and have that be different on its own because it doesn't have like an explosion, you know, within the first five seconds. But um, I do think that you do have to, you have to pay attention to it because it's the way people's young people's brains are developing, you know, their brains are developing in different ways as a result of um, constant, the information age where everything is available in yeah. like immediately. Yeah. And it, it does have a chain. It definitely changes the way their brains develop. So um, I think you, I think that you do have to sort of try and keep up with that pace. Right. And that's why things like even these like webisodes of shows that are only like eight minutes long, yeah will have these huge audiences because people are, or the notion of people watching movies on their phone, I can't fathom that. I would never watch a movie on my phone. I'm just too old to do that. <laughs> and you, and us being older, we need bigger screens anyway. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't even, I'm, my son said the other day, oh, I want to watch something on your phone. I'm like, what? On my phone? <laughs> so no, no, I, I you know, please, I have, to, I have to wear reading glasses. What the hell? Yeah, but we look good in them. At least that's what I keep telling everybody. Yeah, we do. And you have to get really stylish, kind of cool ones. But those are easy. And they're not hard to find. Because, you, you know, as long as you whip out a cool-looking pair, then you, you know. That's right. And they're really cheap at Walmart, so we can get, like, 15 pair. Because Lord knows I need one in every room. I need one in every room. But Walmart, what are you talking about? I go to the 99-cent store for those. Oh. They're like, super cool. They're like turquoise tortoise shell. Come on. <laughs> Oh my god! And you got to get the uh, let's see here the old fifties ones, the the cat eyes. Oh yeah, those are nice. But, you know, I don't know. As a woman, I think that might that just makes me look like I might be seventy, and I don't want anybody to think that. <laughs> uh, but you are in a dollar store though. But in Los Angeles, it's like five dollars, just so the rest of the, the country knows. Okay, there is no dollar store; it's five dollar store. No, it's the 99 cent only store. You have to go to that one, not the dollar. No, no, no. Don't even try that with me. I've been in one of those and everything was like $7. So. No, but you know something? I will say in the last few years they have add some they have these weird stickers that say only 5.99. And right. you want to go what it used to be that everything was 99 cents. Um they do have some things only $1.99. Right. They're like, yeah. Yeah, I don't it's, like that. It's I just like to know. throw us older people off. We're like, they're like, look, there's a 99 right there, sir. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I get Halloween stuff. I get Christmas decorations there. There's a lot of fun things you get there. It's yeah, just but, you find like weird stuff there. You find stuff that's some strange clothes out. And it's like, <laughs> like, what the heck? Did you just say a few minutes ago that you are not a hoarder? I believe you are. No, no, I'm not a hoarder. I'm very not a hoarder. I have a very neat, orderly home. I, I don't. My feeling is if you're not using it, get rid of it. But, you know, sometimes if it's Halloween and you can't find the large black plastic rat from last year, then you go to the 99 cent store and you find it. And then while you're there, you find a few creepy hanging witches and things like that, you know. Right. And the DVDs of the latest, um, was it RFD? What was the name of that one? (laughs) Right. Wasn't RFD something? Boy, I'm showing my age now that I remember any of that. Are you talking about Mayberry RFD? Yeah, yeah, Mayberry RFD. That's it. I couldn't yeah, think of it. the one that had that other actor. What was that guy's name? He was Ken in- Berry. Ken Berry. Ken Berry was in it. Yeah. Why do I know that fact? I do not know. Ken Berry. And then, they, then the, there was, he had a little kid who, I don't remember who the little actor was. 
But he was so not Opie. That was the problem. <laughs> he just wasn't like Opie, and I never liked him as much. So not Opie. That would be a great TV so series. I loved Opie. Who didn't love Opie? You know. That's true. Just like you. Everybody loved you, Susan Day. You were on all these other shows, Jag and all this other stuff. So then you get into music. How did that happen? Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I still do a lot of music. I just don't, I don't do it as, as sort of much as I was for a while. Um, I've always been really into music. I've always been writing music. I've always been a singer. I've always been, um, you know, I, it was, it was something I always did, you know. And I had, when I was younger and I was in college, I did a lot of musical theater. Um, and I went through this period where I just was like, you know, I'm going to put together my little band. And I, and I wanted to do a certain kind of fusion of, um, like folk Americana music and Latin music. Okay. And um, so I put together my band and, and we had a great time. We did a couple CDs. We were signed to a really wonderful record label on the East Coast. Um, and I really enjoyed it. But, you know, you get to a point where you're sort of like, I, I can't do all these things. I want to do them, but I can't do all, try to do all of them at, at the level I'm trying to do them at, you know? Yeah, I totally understand. So how would you describe yourself if someone had said... Michelle Green, who are you? Are, are you an author first? Are you an actress first? Which one is first? I would, say I'm, I would say I'm an artist because all of the things that I do involve the arts. Okay. So being an actor is an artist, being a writer is an artist, being a musician is being an artist. Um, so I would say I'm an artist, and then I would probably say, I, you know, I, I, can, I enjoy being an, an author more than I enjoy being an actress, but I really like being an sure. actress. Sure, so. understood. Um, yeah. Well, as an author, you have a little more control of what's going on, where I would think as an actress, you're given lines versus an author, you're giving lines. Well, as an author, you get to, I really like writing books. Mm -hmm. um, I really love writing books. Um, I like it because it's, I'm a, I don't really have what is, a lot of friends of mine will say to me, you don't seem like an actress. <laughs> um, because... I don't know why, but there's, there's, and sometimes actors bug me, you know, there's, there's sure. a little bit of like, use all the oxygen in the room, kind of all about me. They have an on quality uh -huh. that I find, um, kind of false and disconcerting sometimes. <laughs> and when I'm around a lot of actors, like if you have a party, never invite like more than one or two actors because it's going to turn into like a me fest. They're all going to be right. trying to dominate the room. Right. Um, but I like the solitary, uh, the solitude of writing. You know, I like that it's just me and like my little glass of scotch and my computer and my characters. <laughs> and glass of I, scotch, I love that. Yeah, I have my scotch or my, my whiskey, really. I'm more of a whiskey drinker than a scotch drinker. Listen to you. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, I don't drink vodka. I don't drink those like chick things like, like vodka with fruit. Flavors. I don't do any of that. I am a whiskey drinker. I am an old school whiskey drinker. Right, you're like, uh, Michelle, what can I get for you? Three fingers whiskey. And if you don't know what that is, you shouldn't be listening to this show. I like uh, red breast a lot. I like, not every place has red breast, but I like red breast quite wow. a bit. Um, wow. I like, you know, and I like the general ones that you get. And I like, I like whiskey on the rocks with a twist, you know. Or a little bit of ginger ale sometimes. That used to be. Now, in Prohibition, get this. During Prohibition, 
whiskey with ginger ale on the rocks with a very large twist was called a horse's neck, right? And I just love that. So I'll go, when I go into a bar sometimes, I'll say, and if the bartender is really young, they have no idea what you're talking about. But if you go to a place like Musso and Frank, right. and you say, I'll have a horse's neck, that old guy behind the bar doesn't bat an eye, and he makes it for you perfectly. <laughs> I love that. And, of course, the younger kid will just Google it and go, what the heck are they oh, asking? Yeah. They, just, they don't even Google They just stare at you, and they go, huh? I said, yeah. I ordered one the other day. I, was at the, um, I live up in Lake Arrowhead, right? Which is okay. an hour and a half out of L.A. And I was meeting someone at the Lake Arrowhead Resort for a drink. For, and they have a really nice bar. And, um, and I, you know, I thought, I'll just see what happens. So this young bartender, I said, I'll have a horse's neck. And he, had, and he just stared at me like I was crazy. He's like, huh? And you have to tell them, you got to serve it. Not in a well glass, served in a column glass, you know. If you have to describe how to get the drink, just stepping back. Just say, excuse me, young man, I will take care of yeah. it. excuse me, little fella, let me take care of it. Right, and then you have to shake it like uh, an episode of like Bar Rescue. You got to smile and shake and everything. So, <laughs> Do you even watch television? Do you watch any TV now? I do. I do. I watch Netflix. I watch TV on Netflix. I don't have like regular TV. Okay. Um, so as a result... I'm not like always like up on like the newest show okay. or the most current thing, okay. unless it's a streaming show, like a show like Goliath or a show like um, like when House of Cards first came out with Kevin Spacey yep. and stuff. Um, I love those. I love those shows that they're, they're so different, you know, and they can do all kinds of weird things. And um, but I don't. I don't watch a lot of like network shows in real time because. I just, I just don't have cable, you know. Well, that's okay. But I think Netflix has really changed the dynamic of oh, what yeah. TV yeah. will be well, and what you can do. That you, that you don't have to, like, wait for Thursday night to come along anymore. Right. And you can binge watch, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. And, and, you know, the thing is, when you start to do that, you know, you, I remember I binged watch House of Cards. I, I, for, like, I didn't move from the chair for, like, two days except to take my son to school and make dinner and, you know, stuff like that. I was just completely hooked on it, and and I love that. I love that that it puts so much control in the in the hands of the viewer, you know. But Kevin Spacey is so you good can, too. I mean, he's you can so pardon good. me, Kevin Spacey. I, he's I love so him. good. I was in love with Kevin Spacey in high school. What? I guess maybe we need to call I, Kevin right now, Kevin. Oh, I, he went to he went to Chatsworth High School, and I went to Fairfax High School, and he was like I think a, two years ahead of me. And I would see him at these drama festivals because it was Mayor Winningham went to his school. Okay. Um, Anthony Kiedis went to my school, of course. And he was in drama. That's a whole other story. Um, but uh, Kevin Spacey, I would see him at these drama festivals. And he was, you know, he was like 16 and he was a great actor already. Wow. And, oh, I was, I was like, I had the biggest crush on him. And then, and then I got like, I, by the time I was a junior, I sort of like knew him. I don't know how I met him. I probably threw Mayor Winningham and her brothers because they were friends of mine. But I, and I went like out to, went on sort of a date with Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just beside myself. I could hardly speak. But he was very nice. He was a very sweet guy. And we were pals. And then we became pals. But I haven't seen, I haven't seen him in many, many years since, you know, he's become a big giant star. Right. But we did, we did go to all those drama festivals together. And, uh, yeah, he was, and I, yeah, he was my, one of my high school crushes. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to tweet that out after our interview. Oh, oh, you can, you can. He was, he, I had a massive crush on Kevin Spacey. I think I had, I had the, remember when we were 
young. We had they had those those um, fabric covered notebooks that you'd have for the whole year that everybody would draw on with yes. pens and you'd write names. And right. things. I think I had his name probably all over my my notebook for school. But he was uh, he's a lovely guy. And then we became we when I, by the time I was a senior, I remember he hadn't gone to Juilliard yet. Took like a year or two off, if I recall, and before he went to Juilliard, and he um, he came to see me in a production at my high school. I'm just thought of this right now. Of I think it was like Once Upon a Mattress or something, <laughs> and he brought me a bunch of flowers, and I was you know wow over the moon. I was over the moon because it was like Kevin. Kevin was there, and he you know you know and everybody in our <laughs> drama department, of course, knew him because he was you know like. This, we all knew he was going to be this great, fabulous, famous actor. Um, and I just remember, I remember, I just thought of this right now. I remember seeing him coming, walking down that aisle at Fairfax High Auditorium with a big bouquet of flowers. Wow. And I was like, oh, and I think we went to Cantor's afterwards or something. Right there. There's a good meal right there. And even you're sounding a little giddy, Michelle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, you know. And I'm I'm sure you have that that spiral with his name in a heart somewhere. I I don't. I'm not a hoarder. I don't. I don't. Well, I think if you go to the 99 cent store, you could probably find one, remake it. Probably could, and then I could write his name all over it with like a bunch of flowers and. Things. That's right. He'll never know. Think of the followers you could get on Twitter. He's not. It's true, you know. But no, I was. I have to say, I was. I I remember I went to a. I went to a drama festival at Polytechnic High School. I think I was like a freshman in high school or something. And he won in the dramatic monologue category. And he did this monologue from Kennedy's Children. He must have been 16 years old, maybe 17. He was so flipping good. He was so good. I remember watching him and going, oh, my God, who is that? (laughs) I want your babies, Kevin. (laughs) Oh, I was like, I'm in love with Kevin. His name at the time was Kevin Fowler, and then later on he took his mother's name, Spacey. Oh, my God. But I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, the, you know. The things that come rushing back from our teen years. Had had a massive crush on Kevin Spacey. Oh, my God. That is funny. That is really good. Now, have you ever had a chance to act with Kevin? No. But I would love that. Are you kidding? I'd be thrilled. A little <laughs> anger with that. The No, not the like, no. It was no. Kevin. Kevin. Would Kevin. love to. God, what would I give to do a project with Kevin? You know what? I need to start tweeting out to Kevin going, uh, bro, you need to be on my show. We've got a surprise guest for you. Ugh. See, we'll do a little Skype. Put us all together. And he'll be like, "Who? who's that other guy? I'll be like, um, Kevin, I'm, I'm the host. Okay. Be like, can you get off the Skype? I just want to talk to Michelle. I'll be like, what? Come on. Such a wonderful actor. I mean, God, he's so great. I, I would watch him. When we started, my mom and I were hooked on House of Cards when it first came out. And everything in that show was yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. Robert Wright, another, like one of my favorite yeah. actresses. Such a wonderful actress. Um, and I just love that show. And I remember, and I was watching it, and a couple of my friends, you know, women my age, they were all like, God, we're just in love with Kevin Spacey. I said, everybody is in love with Kevin Spacey. Men, women, everybody's in love with Kevin Spacey. So, yeah. He's just that good and good looking and all of that. Oh, and he's just so smart and he's so funny and he's such a wonderful actor. He's so charming. I can't say enough great things about him. 
Well, you know, you could say a couple for me, you know, if you want to tweak those out, you know, I'll help you out. Okay. <laughs> I'll just put a couple of things out there. Uh, Michelle said this about me. Oh, I'm sorry. She said that about Kevin. She said this about me. No, she said that about Kevin. Too. No, she actually said that about Kevin Spacey. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. Thank you very much. Okay. Perfectly okay. So what have you been working on uh, uh, lately? I know there are so many things going on. You've got multi-talents going on. So what are you working on right now? Anything that's Right that's now coming? I'm finishing a novel. I am finishing a novel that I was supposed to turn into my book agent in July, and I am very remiss, and um, I have to finish it in the next couple of weeks and send it off. Um, just blame me. Just say it. this guy from Chicago just held me up. Say. <laughs> I was very busy because I was, for a year and a half, I was the artistic director at this venue up in Lake Arrowhead, uh-huh. which was interesting. It was like a, um, it was like a sort of... 1920s, 30s era kind of supper club, nightclub, theater that had been a, a, a hangout for gangsters, you know, like Bugsy Siegel and yeah. Meyer Lansky and all those guys in the in the 30s and during Prohibition. Um, and it's an it's an interesting venue. And when I first came in, you know, I sort of it was just one of those things that I, it was fun. I enjoyed it, but at a certain point, I realized that what they wanted was not what I brought to the table. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I was, I was trying to turn it into sort of like a more of a professional theater and they wanted it to be more of a local kind of venue and which is great and fine. But I was, so I was wrapping up though, cause the last few months I had, I had, you know, shows that were still on the calendar that I had to rehearse that I had to deliver that mm-hmm. we had to stage and blah, blah, blah. And so I finally finished there a f- couple of weeks ago. And, um, so now I'm finishing up, this book because I must finish it. And, uh, and now, you know, for, I had to take, I had to take about five years off really from being an actress because my son yeah, uh, needed a number of surgeries and they weren't like horrible surgeries. He, um, he was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate okay. and he just, you know, he needed a number of surgeries. It seemed for several years, like we were always preparing for one or getting over one. And, um, I had to make that decision or that, that moment of like, okay, I can't have a nanny taking him into children's hospital for all of these things. Um, and I just knew that until he got a little bit older and we got all the major surgeries behind us, that I couldn't be picking up and, and flying to Texas for a week or flying to Canada for three weeks or you know any number of sure. things like that, which is what you do when you're working a lot as an actress. So I, that was when I moved up to the mountains and I just kind of made this decision, okay, I'm I'm going to step back from work for a few years. But now all the surgeries are over and my son is 10. And so now I can go back to work. Right. And now you can go, you're really getting on my nerves. I need to go do a role somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And as a parent, you're doing, you did the right thing. You have to be there. They will remember that forever being there. And they remember that you were not there when yep. they woke up from anesthesia. Yep. I was just not going to be that mom. I was not going to be that like actress mom who would call and go, "How did it go?" You know. Right. Um, yeah, text me when you're single. <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, just text me when you're done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you just can't do that, and they will remember forever, and and it will not be good <laughs> later on. So, and it was fine, you know. And honestly, I enjoy being a mother. I enjoy being a parent um, so much that. In a certain way, you do always have a little bit of that, oh, my God, can you ever step back? Can you take a little time off? 
in this industry because, you know, it's a relentless industry that is constantly reinventing itself and you constantly have to be current and you have to be this and you have to have a new project. And, um, but when I made the decision where I knew I would be taking a few years off, it's actually, it's, it's kind of relaxing. (laughs) I would think so. Oh God. Nice. You recharge your batteries and all that. Yeah, it's nice, you know, and I live in a beautiful town. I live up in the mountains on a beautiful lake, you know. Do they know who you are in the mountains? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. So it's not like the celebrity that you have now where people are just gushing, taking pictures of 20-somethings, which annoys the crap out of me. No, God, no. I've never been that type of celebrity, you know. Um, But there's there's a lot of actors and a lot of musicians and who are, you know, much more famous than I am or than I've ever been who have homes up here. So it's, um, it's a, it's an interesting community. It's a, there's, there's the people who've come who have vacation homes and then there are the people who live here full time. And there are the people who have like me who have lived in other places and come here for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. And then there are the people who've never left who were born here and grown up here and have no intention of ever leaving. Uh, which is and so there's these different sort of subgroups of people and it's an hour and a half from LA and about two hours from San Diego so and it's about three hours from Las Vegas so it's it's kind of in this spot where it's very easy to get you know back to your urban life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean when I was living in LA it would take me an hour and a half to get from my home in the Hollywood Hills to Santa Monica right so I don't think the rest of the world understands that. That's how L.A. really is. It's 90 minutes or two hours to get anywhere. To get anywhere. And and it's much, much worse now. I mean, it was starting to get extremely bad when I moved out of L.A. Um, and, it, and part of it also was that the things that I loved doing in L.A., once you have a child, you're not, you know, you, you can't say, hey, I'm going to go meet these people at this great club downtown at 9. You know, you can't do that. Right. And then we're going to go to dinner at 11 at this great restaurant. Um, and then just the getting around is really difficult because you there's so much traffic. And pretty soon you're going, no, I really would love to go to that Argentine place, but it's going to take me an hour and a half to get there <laughs> and an hour and a half to get home. Right. No, thanks. And that's hard. That's why I lived in the South Bay. Everyone came to me. Where did you live in the South Bay? Uh Hermosa Beach. Hermosa Beach is pretty. Yeah, so that's where I kind of sat, and I went, you know what? I don't feel like driving too much, so I moved there, and everyone came to me. So I was doing a lot of stuff back then, and um, and then when I had to, whatever additions and stuff like that, I couldn't get cast for anything. I was too tall. I was too dark. I was too this. My hair was like blah, 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 but I'm like, oh, my God. I'll just stick with radio. <laughs> It was just so much easier because I could be on overnights and people didn't know who I was. I do not weigh 400 pounds. I'm not five foot four, so I am the complete opposite of every radio guy you've ever seen. Do they really weigh 400 pounds when they're five foot four? Uh, because uh, they get fed all day. Okay. <laughs> because you go, oh man, I wish I could have those pizzas, and next thing you know, all these pizzas show up. Oh, oh. I want you to know that during this whole radio interview, I have secretly eaten a banana. (laughs) (laughs) I was really hungry. Okay. And I ate a banana without you knowing it. Well, we could talk about what that really means, but we won't because this is not love line. Okay. Sorry. I I I was just really hungry and there was a banana here and I thought... 
what are you? I've never, I've never tried to eat something while I'm doing a radio interview, but maybe I could sneak it in, and I, and I did. I managed to do the, the bites and the chewing when you were talking. See, what will happen then is uh, if I ever get this back to Los Angeles where I do a TV version of the show, you're <laughs> going to eat a banana during it. Okay. <laughs> we will say, I will say nothing. I thought I was pretty. I thought I was pretty sly there. You were. I thought you were drinking something or whatever, but I did not believe that it was a banana. I ate an entire banana without without next, really giving it away. Next time, I'm going to have you on Skype, so then that way we can see you eat a banana, and I will eat a banana with you. Okay. But see, you thought I was having a drink of water or something. Yes. And yes, I, I did. Actually, ate a Cavendish banana. Now, do you know about the issue with bananas? Uh oh. What's the issues with bananas now? That bananas are under threat. They've been under threat for a while. Yeah. For this, there's this very strange fungus. The bananas that we know and that we like, the Cavendish banana, right. which makes up like 90% of the banana market, and is a. But it's um, it's a it's a strain of banana that is very very uh, susceptible to these weird fungal diseases, and it's under threat, and it may not survive. And the banana industry, I just read this the other day in the Atlantic, the banana industry is like really in, under a lot of stress trying to find a way to save the Cavendish banana. Wow, that's actually very serious. I thought you were going to go down a sexual route or something. of that. No, 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 there's no sexual route. Because that's the way I think. I'm sorry. Just... Thank you, obviously, obviously. You know, Thank you, though. But no, it's, it's a very serious. It's been going on yeah. for several years. And there used to be another banana that was called, <laughs> this is awful, it was a banana that was called Big Mike. Hello. <laughs> um, but And that was the previous style of banana that we were all accustomed to. And that banana was completely wiped out. And then they came up with these. But you know, I guess I guess it's some kind of you know big thing to try and get a banana that ships well, that keeps well, right. that doesn't have seeds, that tastes good. You know. Yeah. What about those little mine, those little tiny bananas? You can't have those. Those are. No, I think those are strange. You know what the ones I like? I like the ones that you have, like Central American bananas. You yeah. know, the machos that you, the plantains that you slice up and fry. Those are good. But see, it's very different being here in the Midwest versus out west. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Now there, you could buy bananas on the street and oranges and everything else, kind of like in Florida. You can't do that here in the Midwest. They believe that you're holding them up in traffic. <laughs> okay, that doesn't work here. So here in Chicago, do not stop, roll down your window for someone holding bananas trying to sell you a banana. Very different in Los Angeles. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Very cold here. I like to... I've always wanted to live in Chicago. Everyone says that, and then they have one winter, and they pack up, and they leave. I, I don't know. Yeah, the winter might be pretty rough, but I don't know. I think uh, Chicago is such a beautiful, beautiful city. My God, so many great things. Yep, there is. Well, now yep. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to move to an urban area because I've been here for five years in the mountains, and I'm sort of getting stir-crazy. Right. You're you're tired of talking to the moose outside, and you're looking for people now. I understand. Well, no, no. Like I have a bear. You know, I have a bear that comes to my driveway pretty much every. I have a really long driveway, and I have this this bear. And I thought he'd be going into hibernation soon, but he keeps coming, and he knocks over my trash cans, and you know, makes a big ruckus. Wait a second. You have a bear that meets you at the end of your driveway. No, no, he doesn't meet me. I mean, no, I he's waiting there for you, Michelle. He's waiting. He comes into my carport. He comes into my carport and he, and he, you know, and he goes through all my trash and he 
I've seen him a few times, and he, and he you know, he's one one day a female bear came with some babies. Luckily, I didn't walk outside. I was on my upper deck, and I saw this baby in a tree, and I was like, that's a little bear. wonder where the mother is, and I looked down, and she was right below me. And I thought, okay, I'm going back in the house. Right. How fast can I jump inside? Yeah, no kidding. So, so there you go. Know, You're just kids. waving to your little bear. Have you named him? No, 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 no. I have no interest in becoming super friendly with the bear. There'll be no bears in Los Angeles, just so you know. Or Vegas, yeah, depending on where you're going to go. Although there was, there was a bear crossing the, um, the Pasadena Freeway a few years ago. <laughs> bear crossing. He just got on the freeway. He was crossing the freeway um, right right in Pasadena. But. And I'm sure the people on the 110 thought it was just an actor that was lost. Yeah, there's some guy. Some guy in, the, yeah, some guy in a bear suit <laughs> trying to find his trailer. Yeah. Right. He's lost on his trailer. That's funny. He's lost. He can't find his trailer. <laughs> that no, we, have, we have bears. We have mountain lions. We have, well, every place in California has coyotes, so that's right. not anything new. But um, we have some big coyotes here. They're, they're pretty big. And raccoons. A lot of raccoons. Uh, yeah, know. a lot of those are just roadkill here. So. Oh, yeah. No, we, have, we have some pretty cute raccoons, you know. But then here, if you've been on the 405, everyone, you don't move. So those bears and those raccoons can just walk through traffic. Oh, God. I almost, you know, I almost hit a raccoon the other day coming up the main highway, coming up the mountain from L.A. Yeah. Hey, I was just in Los Angeles, and I was stuck in traffic going from, let's see, LAX going to Laguna. It must have taken me two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. That, that's a horrible drive. My God. Thank God it was sunny. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Oh no. That's a. That's a. Oh no. I came home yesterday. I had to go to LA to pick up my son's Darth Vader costume, and um, and for other things. And uh, I got stuck in horrible traffic. It took me three and a half hours to come home. It usually takes an hour and a half. I was not happy. Well, you could have listened to me. You would just laugh for hours and hours. I could have. Well, from now on, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Just like, let me put on that stupid guy from Chicago. Oh, yes. You just no, not at all. Just download the app. You're like, oh my god, it's like he's here. It is exactly. That's exactly what I'm going to do next time. My God, right? Or I'll be on overnights in Los Angeles or something. So uh, I'll have you call in at like three thirty in the yes. morning. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. Overnights was the best time ever to be on the radio. I didn't like being on in the morning. I liked afternoons and overnights. Those were fun. The fans were more fun back then. All right, so that was a little weird that I think you just hung up on me, Michelle, but I think we just had a little hiccup there. I think it had something to do with you eating a banana and everything. My mind just drifted. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, it might have been. I cannot believe that we've already talked for 50 minutes. You are, like, fantastic. I love you. It was long. I love you, too. God. You know, if we ever got together and had some whiskey, it'll be like days. Oh, yeah. We would just talk for days. Whiskey would be good. Maybe that's it. For the next interview, I'll be drinking whiskey during it. There you go. I, You know what? That wouldn't be so bad. And I think we're going to have to tweet back and forth. I want to see some big hair pictures. Oh, oh, I have some. I'll, send, I'll post some. And I'll put some on Twitter, some like gigantic hair photos that'd be really good i have a bunch of them somewhere there would be good so what is your twitter page we want to make sure everybody follows you my twitter page is michelle d green that's michelle with one l everybody one l 
Michelle with one L, green with an E on the end, letter D in between. And my Instagram page is the same, Michelle D. Green. Oh, cool, cool. we got to follow you on everything. And I think your um, your website is michellegreen.com too? michellegreen.com, but I'm redoing it. So right okay. now it's like really out of date, but I had a hard time getting it back from this guy who no. actually like stole my domain and I had to get tough with him. I, I hate that. I hate when they do that. It's squatters. Uh, yeah. But those pictures oh. on there, I have to compliment you. You are such a, a pretty lady. Those are really cute pictures oh, of you. And I mean you. that as a compliment, not as like a creeper. So. I know. I didn't think you were a creeper. No, I never thought that. <laughs> Although I do see your picture outside my window right now, Steve. How did you do that? So. <laughs> All right, Michelle. Always a pleasure. It is right. great. Make sure everybody follow Michelle Green. What a great lady. You are so much fun. One of the I've, I haven't had this much fun in some time on one of my calls. Me either. So we're going to talk again soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on The Blend. You take care, all right? We'll talk to you soon. All righty. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. That was just so much fun. You just never know how someone's going to be when they're on the telephone. It always, it's really hard sometimes to have a guest call in. Sometimes they're comfortable, sometimes they're not. Michelle seemed to be really comfortable. Let's make sure that you follow her and go to her website. It is Michelle Green. That is with one L and green is G-R-E-E-N-E. So michellegreen.com. You can also follow her on Twitter, Michelle D, the letter D green at Twitter. Go out there. Tweet to her. Do whatever it is that you can. Uh, I certainly need to have her back. She was so much fun. So when we have our shows back in Los Angeles, I will make sure that I invite her. It is always a pleasure to host The Blend for all of you. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time on The Blend. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.